Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We laid an eight-minute egg at the end of the second quarter. Just couldn't overcome. I mean, we were up 38-32, and then I think they went on a 31-3 run. Offense was bad, defense was bad, everything was poor. But um, that's what it boiled down to. I mean, it was an eight-minute. We laid an eight-minute egg. That's the way I look at it. The Celtics fall 114 to 100 to the Charlotte Hornets. We're going to break it down here on the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog, powered by SeatGeek. Yes, something boss. Welcome to the show. I am Jared Weiss. I'm joined by Samuel Barnaby Packard. How are we doing tonight, baby? Not well. That was an ugly, ugly game to watch. That was just not fun just as a general fan of basketball. So the Celtics lost by 14, but they were down by way more than that. I mean, they had kind of like... They were down 28 at one point. I mean, they made a nice comeback in the fourth quarter. They actually won the fourth quarter, 28 to 20, uh, but it was pretty horrific for most of the game. And you got to give Jeremy Lin all the credit. Might be the scariest hair you'll ever see in your life in that... The game is the scariest game you're ever going to see in your life, too. One, he looks like the Fonz, and he looks like he should be in a motorcycle gang in the 1950s. Hey. Two, the Celtics just had no ability to stop him from getting into the paint. Just, I think there's repeated plays. Uh, he's right here on the left block and just drove just right into the paint. It was like just bucket after bucket. He had 19 points in the second quarter when the Hornets went on their crazy run. And you think the Celtics with Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, would have an ability to stop Guards on the perimeter, especially backup guards, someone coming off the bench, and they just couldn't do it tonight. Avery Bradley was kind of disappointed, I think, after that one. Uh, but what was amazing was Jeremy Lin got to the line 10 times to hit all 10 free throws. They couldn't get him to stop from driving really down the middle a lot of the time. It would be really he just kind of had like a one-on-one matchup over the top. He would be able to drive right through, get to the line. Uh, get to the line. I mean, he, he did everything that you've seen Jeremy do when he's at the top of his game. He's obviously having a good season, but the Celtics defense was not only porous on the outside, but they were so sluggish rotating on the perimeter. And that's not something sorry, you, rotating down low. It's not something you expect to see from the Celtics is kind of the, the effort categories. They just didn't have it tonight, especially in that second quarter. They were late to rotate. They're just kind of lazy. And it, on both ends of the floor, there's a number of turnovers where they just kind of drove into the paint and threw it up because who knows? That's what you do in the paint. And that led to easy baskets in transition for uh, the Hornets. And it's just not a stereotypical performance for the Celtics just when their their mental toughness wasn't there. They didn't have the effort. And then I felt in the second half they kind of let the refs get in their heads. We saw Isaiah get a tech. I know. We saw one. Evan Turner kind of jumping around uh, a la a disappointed, petulant three-year-old. Um, but just slightly that, younger than his usual petulantness. Yeah. Exactly. When he's when it's fun, you're, everyone's laughing, everyone's having a good time. But then when things don't go his way, it's not as fun for everyone else. 
And uh, for the record, uh, Jeremy Lin outscored the Celtics 19-13 to in the second quarter, which is pretty remarkable. The Celtics went on an eight-minute stretch of not scoring a field goal. With nine minutes left, Evan Turner hit a layup to put them up four. And then for eight minutes, they didn't hit another shot except for one or two free throws. That's just, you can't win NBA games like that. Spraz even said they laid an eight-minute egg. And... That is not a good way to open up your post-game press conference, no. especially with only one game left in the season. You're fighting for positioning, and they seem to care about the three seed, but they didn't show it tonight. Obviously, there's a lot more at play, but they are kind of in trouble if they are going up against Charlotte again next week or even this weekend, which is a very possible matchup now. And they are, they're, they're showing that Charlotte can outshoot them and outrun them, and they're a team that's supposed to be the running team. Yeah, uh... People probably don't pay as much attention to Charlotte because they're Charlotte and they don't have the stars, but it's really probably the worst matchup where that and the uh, the Hawks. Charlotte plays excellent defense, and they have a lot of great shooters and a lot of great role players. It's a team very similar to the Celtics, and they get the most out of the players they have. They don't have the star powder, but they're very well coached, and they have the, the guns, the shooters, to kind of stop the Celtics. They really don't have that star powder. You know, you got to get that powder. No, you got to get, get it nice and dry. Face. So Face powder, stars. Uh, plus minuses in the second quarter. It was plus 20, 20 uh, where is it? I just had it. God damn it. Right there. There it is. Plus 26. I was looking at the wrong side. Plus 26 for Jeremy Lin in 12 minutes. But Nick Batum, only seven and a half minutes, also a plus 26, despite pretty much not scoring, not really racking up any numbers. It's amazing the presence of Nick Batum. Just hanging out on the court, just doing Nick Batum like things. Being French. He actually uh, rolled his ankle and did not play for most of the second half, and I think that's why the Celtics were able to cut it to 15. Oh, they got it close. They're a good uh, team, they aren't they? They would have been really, really screwed if uh, Nick Batum kept playing. And, and at the start of this year, actually, on an early podcast, I had uh, one of the other WEI producers on who's a big corner stand. He told me that I was severely underrating Nick Batum, and boy, was he right. <laughs> Nick Batum is an excellent player, and... He's going to be a free agent at the end of next year. I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics, if they strike out on the kind of the top tiers, go after Batum. I also wouldn't be surprised if the Hornets do everything they can to bring him back to Charlotte. Well, the one time a WEI producer was right about something. Let's end it here. Let's go to the SeatGeek rebate, $20 off with the code CELTICSBEAT on your first purchase at SeatGeek. So go to SeatGeek and use CELTICSBEAT as your promo code. We'll be right back for part two. Stay right on this playlist on the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. You know, once again, we just have to, you know, come out and play defense, come out and, uh, you know, get the, get the mojo back a little bit, you know, after the two-game slide and, uh, you know, just leave it at that. Welcome back to the show, part two of the Garden Report here, where we talk about how the playoffs are up in the air. They have one more game left Wednesday against Miami. They beat Miami, they get the four seed. They lose to Miami, they could fall anywhere from four to six. Who the hell knows right now? So... What is going to happen Wednesday night? Do they have a shot at beating Miami? Oh, absolutely. Miami, they've beaten Miami twice this year, and with the starting backcourt of Dwayne Wade and Goran Dragic, they really just don't have the personnel to stop Isaiah Thomas. So I think it's uh, entirely possible, and I think Miami would actually be the most favorable matchup if they some, somehow the seeds line up for the first round of the playoffs. So that was my next question. We only get one chance to speculate who they get because we're going to know after Wednesday's game. So why Miami? What, what's good about that matchup? I think uh, what I said, inability to stop Isaiah Thomas, I think although they did not show it tonight, the Celtics do a very good job of dealing with uh, or on perimeter defense. Um, and Miami just doesn't have the, the depth that you would want them to have. I know Justice Winslow's had a good year, and I know they added Joe Johnson, but I think the Celtics really, when they go to that second unit, get Kelly Olenek and Jonas Jarebko in there, they can kind of spread the heat out and 
um, able to kind of just take advantage of that offensively. And, of course, I mean, I haven't heard definitively if Chris Bosch is not going to play, but we haven't heard a word like, about that, so I, it's kind of off with, the radar. You don't yeah. mess around with blood clots. You just don't, like, force him into a game like that. I would be shocked if Chris Bosch ended up playing. Boom, clot. So, I mean, Hassan Whiteside is obviously the toughest matchup on that team for them. I think they have the guys that can handle Dwayne Wade. They can handle Goran Dragic. But there's no one on this team that matches up well against Whiteside. Uh, Whiteside's been actually playing well, playing in the fourth quarter, because he's hitting his free throws enough to be usable out there. Now, we know Brad Stevens loves to send centers to the foul line, and they're probably going to do it to Whiteside. But the question is, do, is that worth the risk? Because Whiteside has been shooting free throws well enough that they can probably he can probably survive that storm. And they've got enough creative players that even if they kind of lose rhythm, they have one-on-one scores that can kind of get it back for them. I just don't think Whiteside's a big enough uh, kind of risk on the offensive end. The really only thing you can, he can do is catch alley-oops and roll to the rim. He has no offensive game outside of that. So I think the Celtics take a risk. They've really dealt with Whiteside pretty easily in the past two meetings. Uh, he's a great presence on defense, but he's not. If you look at his uh, real plus-minus, he's, I think, like 20th in the league in terms of centers. He's a great physical specimen, but I don't think he scares the Celtics whatsoever. You throw your barrage of Amir Johnson, Sullinger, Olenek, Zeller at him, and I, I think it won't be an issue for the season. Jordan Mickey, most importantly. Jay Mix going to be there. Or John Holland now. BU, BU alum John Holland. Boston uh, U. But <laughs> Boston U, as Brad, Brad Stevens said. Um, they are going to have to tighten that rotation up. They're going to have to tighten it up to eight, maybe nine. I think Stevens will probably play nine a lot of the time, but that last guy's going to get eight minutes or so a game. Who are those guys coming off the bench that are going to get those core minutes? Marcus. Marcus Mark, Kelly Olynyk, Evan Turner are your main three, and then you maybe get a little bit of Jarebko, a little bit of Zeller. I think that's entirely dependent on matchup. I think that's what we've seen Stevens do in the couple last couple of weeks is it really depends on what the team's giving you. Uh, when, when they played the Bucks on Friday night, there's a lot of bigs in the lineup, so they saw Zeller. So I think that ninth role really comes down to what the matchup is and where they can get the biggest advantage. Especially in that Miami matchup, I'm really worried about what Josh Richardson can do. He's been one of the revelations in the league off the bench. Really just high-flying, powerful. They can fly in from anywhere. Kind of reminds me a lot of what Tristan Thompson was doing last year. And the Celtics don't really have that guy that matches up well against them. They don't have that athletic four that's tough. Jay Crowder's kind of that only guy on the roster, but he's going to be obviously preoccupied. Let's talk about Jay Crowder right now. Do you think he is at all or 100% um, since coming back from his injury? injury because I just haven't no. seen it from him no. and he needs to be uh, the second option on offense because teams are going to swarm Isaiah Thomas and they need another player to step up and earlier in the year that was Jay Crowder but if he doesn't have that explosiveness and that ability to kind of burst by people and get to the rim the Celtics really are going to really struggle on offense in the playoffs. And he's, he's not shooting the ball poorly right now. I mean, it's not like his shot's dead. It's more that we're not seeing him getting out into transition like he usually does. He's not does. explosive he's, enough. And that's, yeah, and you're not getting – he's good for two to three dribble drives a game where he's going to get to the rim. He's going to draw a foul, make the shot, or maybe even kick out of it, which he doesn't do a lot. But they absolutely need his offensive contribution. They, if, they're, if he's a one-sided player in that first-round series, there's a huge chance they're going to lose that because him being a two-way player – is kind of the most important thing for this team, really. Obviously, I think there's no question that Isaiah has improved after getting trapped in the corner by Cleveland last year, and he's going to be able to handle whatever defense they throw at him. So the real question is, is Crowder going to be the second-best scorer on the team? He's been that most of the season. Evan Turner's been really good for them, and Kelly Olynyk in spurts is great for them. But if he's not scoring 15 points a game, he's not getting to the line six times a game, they're in trouble. Well, that's the biggest thing about Crowder is he's been – 
or up until his ankle injury, he was consistent. He was consistently the number two guy to Isaiah, and you could rely on him for just about 15 points a night, uh, sometimes a little bit more depending on how well he was shooting. And if he's not that consistent in the playoffs, there's a good chance the Celtics will go down. They need him to stretch the floor. You know, they need him to prove to be not only a shooting threat but a driving threat on that right elbow because Isaiah is going to be working from the top left side and they need him to give Isaiah enough space to drive through traffic. If his guy is sagging off just a little bit, Isaiah is dribbling into triple teams and the, you know, the Celtics are kind of in trouble there. So whether he's out there with a Linux and uh, Avery where they have a bunch of shooters on the floor, which I think is a lineup we're going to see a lot more in that series. It's kind of more of a playing to your strengths rather than playing against the opponent's strengths. But I think yeah. that's a lineup we're going to see a lot more. And if they're going to pull it off, Jay needs to be really, really freaking good. I completely agree. He's the key. He's the linchpin and kind of the identity of this team. He what's a, He's the guy who allows them to play small, and that's when they're playing their best. So without Jay Crowder at the four playing them his most effective, Celtics are screwed. All right, guys. Well, keep it sexy. We will see you after the Miami game on Wednesday, the regular season finale. And then it's playoff time. We could be here again on Saturday or Sunday. Could be there later in the week. But either way, you're going to have us after the game to keep you entertained or to put you to sleep, whichever one you prefer. So for Sam, for Jeremy behind the uh, camera and holding my phone on the live stream, I'm Jared Weiss. We will see you after Wednesday's game on The Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog, powered by SeatGeek. Frustration. What was the problem? We laid an eight-minute egg at the end of the second quarter, and it was just couldn't overcome. I mean, we were up 38-32, and then I think they went on a 31-3 to run. Offense was bad, defense was bad, everything was poor. But um, that's what it boiled down to. I mean, it was an eight-minute. We laid an eight-minute egg. That's the way I look at it. And that's enough against those guys when they're shooting it like that to really hurt you. One thing Avery had talked about the other night was people getting a little down on themselves after missing shots. Is is that sort of continuing, guys? I didn't think any. You know, obviously we. I don't know what we shot. What did we shoot? Obviously not very good. But um, it really wasn't even the. I mean, the shooting. I mean, they they got to be able to um, believe in their work, and you know, we're not harping on each and every shot that they take and everything else. And so you just have to step up and shoot it confidently and and uh, believe that the next one's going in. You know, there are times certainly where you don't feel as good as other times, but um, at that moment, make plays for other people. But I think the biggest thing was we, we tried to dribble through traffic in that eight-minute stretch, and it was like we, you know, we were just dribbling into five guys, ten arms, and everybody was in the paint because we weren't making shots. And so, you know. We just kept fumbling the ball and, and turning it over, and, and, and those runouts hurt. And then they got going shooting the ball, and Lynn was excellent um, for them in that stretch as well. All right, you've been talking about the, the important thing being that you're playing well going into mm -hmm. the playoffs. Um, will one good one on Wednesday accomplish that for you? Or? Well, I think that's a good. That's a really good question. I think do you have all your T's crossed and your I's dotted is is the the 
the question that has to be answered. Um, you know, are we able to adjust on the fly? Is everybody um, physically ready to play and ready to play at a good level and ready to compete at a good level for extended time? Um, and all of those things. Hey, we didn't play very well uh, in the in the fourth quarter in Atlanta or tonight. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I do know this. I, the, 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 everything resets after Wednesday, right? And so, um, you know, obviously we do want to be playing better on Wednesday night than we played tonight. That starts at practice tomorrow. It'll be nice to have a practice. It'll be nice to get out there a little bit. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Brad, you just touched on how things do reset this weekend for the playoffs. But playing a team like Charlotte, and knowing there's potential where you might see them in the playoffs, what impact, if any, does a game like this have, maybe from a psychological standpoint for your team? You'd have to ask them. We beat them twice, and they pounded us once. So I don't know that there's a, an exact answer to that. I mean, I think that, you know, obviously when you get beat like that, you're not, it's, nobody's happy. Um, but, you know, they also have responded well um, in the past from, from tough nights. And so I, I don't anticipate that we won't respond with a great competitive effort on Wednesday. Now we're playing a really good team, so we'll see how that shakes itself out. But, um, you know, hey, this is, this is part of competitive sports, right? You get, you get, get your butt kicked, and, you know, do you get back up or not? And, and it's not ideal to not be playing as, as well, like you said, Steve, but um, we'll talk about what we need to fix whether it's personnel or whether it's, um, you know, um, some things we're doing, and we'll go from there. Brad, uh, they scored 70 points in the second and third quarters. Mm -hmm. Defense got off to a slow start against Milwaukee and Atlanta. What's going on with the defense, and is there something you can fix or rectify? I think there's practice? a couple of things that we can do a little bit differently, but it's, you know, that that that's obviously unacceptable, and, um, we'll have to play a lot better than that on Wednesday to have a chance to win. Uh, Brad, just following up on what Steve was talking about, do you think it's a bigger deal to be playing well going into the playoffs than worrying about or even being, you know, w watching where you are in the standings and who yeah, you're playing? I'm not really paying attention to that part. You know, I think that obviously that shakes itself out no matter what. I mean, it, we'll have a better idea after tonight. Um, obviously, we still you know, control some things in that regard um, with where we are. But I think that the bottom line is, is we just have to focus on what we can control and focus on playing basketball and playing basketball the right way. And for whatever reason, um, you know, the defensive slippage is, is a concern in the last couple of games. Um, but I, you know, I'm equally concerned about fumbling the ball around <laughs> in the second quarter, Can to I be candid. Up? Yeah, Real sure. quick, Brad. Um, did you change your message at all during that 33 to three run, or at all when you were calling a couple of timeouts? Did you try to mix it up, try different things? We we, we said the same thing that we talked about starting the game, and that was we've really got to impact the ball defensively because they're a shooting team. They're a, a great shooting team. They've been a great shooting team all year, fifth in the league, and um, you know they really got going against us. So that's why you can't make them comfortable from the get go. You know, even Batum gets a couple of easy ones early. And now all of a sudden guys get comfortable. Um, and then Lynn got really going. So I think the biggest thing is that that's number one. And then number two was we just talked about offensively, you got to drive it, touch the paint, and kick it out because all five guys are going to be in there. And we didn't do it. So, um, you know, it's 
were part of the reason why they were running to the other end and shooting with nobody guarding them because we couldn't set our defense because we were turning it over. Uh, Coach, uh, it's convenient to target faults at the rim like this, but and I'm not for that at all. Uh, with Isaiah, are you um, Atlanta tonight? Are the teams bunching up on him now that more so? Uh, I don't think I don't think any more so than um, New Orleans or Milwaukee before that, or um, even as you as you go further back into the Portland game or um, Golden State game. So I, I think he's he's seen his fair share of um, attention for sure. You know these guys weren't necessarily like trapping pick and rolls like some of those other teams were. They were back, but all four guys were back. And all four guys were awaiting his drive. Um, the only time we were really spacing them out well is when they had to fly at Kelly and Jonas at the three-point line when we were smaller, a little bit more skilled. Right, you've seen Kemba both in college and now incremental growth here in the league. What do you point to the, his growth, especially this year, um, just kind of seeing him on film and in person? Well, obviously, I think the number one thing you point to is he shoots 39% from three. And, and that's, you know, when you factor in the difficulty of shots that those guys take at the point guard position, it's really an outstanding number. And his ability to get downhill has always been excellent. But the thing I've always loved about him and, and, uh, and, and the thing that always has stuck out to me ever since I saw him play AAU ball as a, as a kid was that guy competes. Like, he competes. There, there aren't many nights where he doesn't really, really have it at a high emotional level. And uh, certainly through 82 games, I'm sure there's a few, but um, not very many. I think he and Isaiah are very similar in that regard, and uh, both really good players. How frustrating is it to have these kind of games at this point this season? Yeah, it's tough. You know, anytime you lose like this, uh, it's definitely tough. Um, you know, they played great tonight. Um, clicking all cylinders, you know, challenging them with certain things and made shots and they had a great game and the biggest thing we do is just um, leave in the pass and prepare for Wednesday. How were they so effective in the second quarter? Why were they so effective? Because that's really where they put this game in. I mean, they made some shots. Um, they got into the bonus, got some foul calls. Um, they got some free throws and, you know, once again, they made some shots. You know, I think uh, they had nine or ten players that played great and made some shots tonight. Did you guys let emotions get the best of you in different stretches in this game? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, they played great. I don't think it's really setting anything up until we got hit for like the hundredth time. So, I mean, other than that, I mean, they played great. I mean, the game's already out of reach when we got, you know, frustrated. And, um, you know, uh, you know, we, we just got to, you know, bounce back and play better next game. Evan, defense slipped in mean Last game too. Can you put your finger on what's causing that? I mean, tonight, if you go check out the stats, in the last four games, they didn't hit shit tonight. They were due to hit something. Spencer Hawes hit a bunch. Daniels is a great shooter. He hit a bunch. I mean, sometimes life just balances itself out. Those dudes are bound to hit the NBA players. Uh, they play great. And that's it. You know, once again, we try to have some rotations. There are certain, certain things that beat us in transition. Um, but, you know, once you, once you get an NBA team going, you know, they're tough to stop. How important do you think it is for you guys to have a, after the last six quarters, have a good bounce back effort against the Miami Warriors? No, it'll be great. You know, once again, we just have to, you know, come out and play defense, come out and, uh, you know, get the, get the mojo back a little bit, you know, after the two-game slide and, uh, you know, just leave it at that.
Welcome back to Boston. <laughs> Thank you. Good to be back. It's been a while. Uh, kind of a long, strange trip to, uh, to get back into playing in Boston. Um, yeah, you know, it's a journey, you know, but everybody's journey is different, and uh, I'm happy to be back and trying to help in any way I can, you know. When did you first find out that you're on the Celtics radar? Um, yesterday. <laughs> I came out of nowhere? Uh, yeah, but, you know, that's what... I was in the D League hoping somebody would, uh, you know, take notice, and I'm glad that, that it happened. And you know, I'm just grateful to be here and try and do whatever I can to help the Celtics. You know, it's you know game 81, but you know, I, I want to do whatever I can. What kind of things they told you about what they want to see from you or expectations and that sort of thing? Uh, you know, I'm just just a. Uh, you know, I had a lot of experience overseas. Maybe bring you know some of that, and in whatever way possible, you know, at this time. And uh, that's basically, you know. Don, how did you find out? What happened? What's the story? <laughs> I was actually, uh, I was about to take a nap, and then <laughs> my agent called, and uh, you know, he he told me the news, and uh, I <laughs> I can't even remember from there. It's like I was just so happy. You know, just so grateful and to be with the Celtics, one of the best organizations, you know, in the history of the game. I'm just honored, you know. What was it like to walk into the garden tonight and then take the floor in the uniform? Uh, it, was, it was surreal, you know. <laughs> just, walk, just even just walking in for the first time, just seeing it is, uh, you know, it's like a dream come true, you know. And uh, I just appreciate it. And, uh, just hopefully now I can just come in and uh, do whatever I can to help. Uh, yeah, I really only went to to one one game in my whole time here in Boston, but you know, uh, obviously, you know the Celtics are you know one of the main teams in Boston, biggest teams in Boston. You know when they won the championship, you know <laughs> I was here. You know you saw everybody. Parading and you know, and uh, you know, just to think that I actually you know get a chance to play and, and help the team win, and in whatever way I can, I'm just happy to do that. Are you see, you might have put yourself on the map a little bit you know, maybe, maybe. I mean, I can't, I can't say what it is. You know, I've been. I've been down daily trying to try to play the best I can to hopefully get noticed. And if that's what did it, uh, I'm just grateful that, that that was it. But, you know, who knows? <laughs> you see the list of guys, I mean, you know, I mean, all the list of who have been called up, and it's kind of, it could happen to you too. And, and I mean, yeah. do you really believe that? I mean, before yesterday, is it, is it discouraging when you're down there? Is it I mean, when you see guys get called up, and do you think, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have no choice but to believe it, you know? Yeah, like, of course I believe yeah. that it could happen. Uh, that's that's what you're down there for when I when I uh, signed up, you know? I kind of, you know, signed up knowing that, you know, I could play at, at this level and um, just hoping I get an opportunity. And, you know, when I got the call for Celtics, I'm just happy to be, you know, do whatever can be a good teammate and just do whatever I can to help the team win. I know they've done a great job for 80 games, you know, so 
I'm just here to, to help in whatever way I can, you know. But the money's better overseas, but you're playing, you know, obviously in the States. Yeah, I mean, I mean was it a tough decision? Money, money is good, but, you know, sometimes it's about the dream. Uh, you have a dream ever since you're, you start playing basketball to, to play at the highest level. And that was always my goal, you know, to play at the highest level I can. I, you know, I didn't know what that was. If it was overseas, it was overseas. But, you know, I had to give it a try. You know, I, I had went overseas for the last four, four years. So I figured, you know, I'd, I'd really give it a, a try and stick it out. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just happy that, that it worked out. And I get an opportunity not only to make a team, but to make a good team, a playoff team. And to be a part of that and in whatever way I can. So I'm just I'm just happy that I'm able to do that. Do you wanna play summer league with them or they send that? I mean, yeah, I would, of course. Like I mean that I mean if that's part of it then that's part of it, you know. But right now, you know, I'm just focusing on what I can do right now, you know. That's all that's the only thing I'm really looking forward to the, the next <laughs> game, you know. And whatever, just learning everything and just helping out in whatever way to help win a championship. Yeah, if you do see the floor, what should fans expect to see in your game? How do you describe it? Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just here to do, you know, the little things to, that, that, you know, a team might need, you know, able to play defense, you know, hit a, hit an open shot, and, you know, just play good basketball. And, you know, they've been, they've been doing this for eight games. You know, you, you see, you see what they they've done. So I'm just here to just add to that, you know, in whatever way. So it's not it's not anything like I'm I'm gonna do anything to try and you know you know <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Defensively, are you going to stick with Yeah. Uh, but that's something we can continue on in practice tomorrow. Even myself, I, I got a few fouls early. You know, I have to make sure that I, uh, you know, don't gamble as much and put myself in foul trouble because I, I need to be out there uh, raising that um, intensity on the defensive end for our team. And that's what I'm going to try to do uh, next game. That's all I can focus on now. There's disappointment, obviously, whenever you lose a game, but what, what was at stake tonight? A chance to really solidify, come closer to coaching at home court. How disappointing is a game like this? Um, you know, I don't want to dwell on it. The game's over. We still have a chance to be in the playoffs. We still have a chance to, uh, you know, be where we want to be. And um, we just have to focus on the next game. Whatever happens, happens. You know, a team can lose tomorrow. I am killers tomorrow, anything that happens. So we just need to focus on the next game. What would Jeremy Lin be doing to be so effective against you guys? You guys really seem to have trouble just kind of you know, keeping him under wraps. And, um, he was just being aggressive when he was in the game. And he was making a great place for his team. I mean, Jeremy Lin is a good player and proved it tonight. You would tell me, I think, too many players were worn out. You still see him? No, I wouldn't say that was the case tonight. I mean, I can't speak for everybody else. I was spared. It's just that I don't feel like we connected the entire game. At the beginning of the game, we were playing well as a team. Even when they were making shots, we were responding. We just have to try to do that the entire game. That's important for us. Mental fatigue? Is it 
affect something mentally? No. I mean, I don't know. I can't, like I said, I can't speak for everybody else. Last game, it was physically tired. Tonight, I feel good. Maybe I think it's safe to say that it's more important to you guys how you're playing going into the playoffs, maybe get things together Wednesday night as opposed to who you're playing. It is. That's important for us. I mean, just, I'm pretty sure they're thinking the same thing. Plus for them tonight going into the playoffs. And, um, we just have to prepare and try to um, fix all the mistakes that we had tonight. I know Coach said it. I'm pretty sure everybody else is going to say it. That doesn't mean We just have to try to fix all the small things that we did tonight because in the playoffs, we make these same mistakes. So, um, we might lose by 40. Avery, what's your defensive been a straight for you guys all season long? Can you put your finger on the positive switch? It's team defense. It's not just. We have to play, play better as a team. Um, the reason why myself and Marcus Smart is successful in the defensive end is because the bigs are not just us.